so you know, this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, although I think all of them have been kicked out of the recording space. I don't know, man. Sergey had a look in his eye like he was going to make trouble. And that's what Sergey does, is make trouble. So there may be noises, barking, meowing, scratching. These, these things happen. The other thing is that we use strong language a lot. And also, while we don't discuss adult topics, we have to flag things as explicit uh, because iTunes only understands explicit and clean and not somewhere in between. But consider it like a PG-13. I mean, we do actually discuss a lot of adult topics. We just don't talk about sex. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 34. 34 episodes this week. Amazing. Yes, and I have a great guest. I had a you do. Great talk with our friend Kevin Hearn a couple weeks ago. And I recorded it, and you guys get to hear it today. And I'm really excited about that. We ate cheese and talked about font ligatures at a con once. You did. And then he and I talked about how he plots and organizes and things. Yes. And, of course, we will find out if he's a plotter or a pantser. Yes. Uh, as we've discussed in the past, there are, seem to be two kinds of uh, writers. There are the people who plot it out in advance, and there are the people who go by the seat of their pants and have no idea where they're going to end up, just that they have to end in so many words, or their editor gets mad at them. So we'll figure it out. Guess what kind I am? Yeah, we're well aware. Oh, we've discussed that before. We're well aware. <laughs> so I am on week two. I, I just finished, I guess, week two of my new job, and it's one of those, the more I do, the more I find needs to be adjusted or updated and so my to-do list for work gets longer and longer hopefully i can and i've started crossing some things off so there's that but you know it's one of those situations where you go to fix one thing and you find two other broken things so that's... are you still glad to be there oh god yes i am making such a difference and saving so many people so much frustration in the future that you know i'm actually really glad to be doing it not that it isn't frustrating, not that I don't occasionally look at something and go, what idiot set this up and where are they so that I can give them a stern talking to, but that's the way it goes. Stern talking to, yeah, that usually stern talking to I want to do involves a tire iron. <laughs> Kids, do not beat up your coworkers. Or former coworkers. Or former coworkers, or the people whose jobs you happen to be replacing. Otherwise, I would have been in jail for assault a lot because there's a lot of people I've had to clean up with over the last decade or so. Many, many sysadmins. Mm hmm Yes, know your pain. Yes. So, see, the, the trick is you only get tried by a jury of your peers. At which, yeah, well, yeah. Twelve sysadmins, and you'd be like, your honor. <laughs> they had it coming. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, let me show you what I had to clean up. And they'll be like, oh. Yeah, well. <clears throat> That's why no. I say if I gotten that swamp guide who told me about the ivory-billed woodpecker. Yeah. As long as, uh, you know, it was a jury of bird watchers, I would have been. You would have been fine, yeah. Yes. So there's that. Um, I haven't really added anything new. I am going to be finishing up my talk for Open Source 101, which is February 17th in Raleigh, and then there is another one in South Carolina on April 17th. So, and I'm presenting the same talk at both of them. We will be talking about uh, getting things done at the command line and not the usual getting things done like here's how you run commands, more like here's how you track your to-dos and things like that. I'm really excited and I've got a lot of work to do to get it in a format to be put into uh, an article that I'm going to submit to Open Source 101. Not Open Source 101, opensource.com. Are we seeing Black Panther this weekend, too? Yes, we have to figure out when we're seeing Black Panther this weekend. Okay. Sorry, carry on. That's not nearly as important as your talk. It just occurred to me suddenly you had a lot booked this weekend. I was like, wait, we also have to go see Black Panther. Uh, I'm only booked Saturday. Well, and I've got the thing with the one interview on Sunday, but we can work around that. These are the critical These scheduling are the demands very of our important time. Things, yes. And that really sums up what I've got going on. Now you, a wombat test subject of mine who I caught having a drink, <laughs> you had and sort of had an assignment? Yes, I had to 
may I had to get back on track and make a new to-do list because I had completely fallen off and I was feeling disorganized and scattered. Yep. There was a... And I did it. Okay. There's... Sorry about that. I have to have my phone turned on these days. Um, There was a slight snag, however. What was the snag? I've done all but two items on my to-do list and now it's gone. It's gone as in you, you've lost it or it's gone as in you finished it or... I finished it. Now the only two items left are rebrand the Patreon and mail out gem squash seeds, which is back where I was before. Good. Because, like, you know, I did the stuff on it, which, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Well, there, there are things that probably should be on it that you're not done with yet. No, I still have to finish the hamster book, but. Yes. Yes. That's... That should probably be on it. The the hamster uh, art is, yeah, I don't really have a deadline on that. Sorry, Internet, I'm spinning my chair. Where's a fidget cube? I uh, there, there used to be one in here. Uh, yes. oh, we'll find one at the break. Okay. It's just, you, you, yeah, it's your turning, and so you're probably going in and out and in and out and yeah. volume, and that's a Sorry, yeah. Internet, I am, I am one of nature's great fidgeters. Lord, ain't that the truth. Uh, see also possibly undiagnosed adult ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I did, uh, amend my Habitica. Yay! Which is, um, uh, good to have done, and I changed the dailies out because I had too many, mm -hmm. and they were kind of not, ref they were too specific, and okay. so now, and they didn't include some things that I feel I should get credit for, like errands. So I was like, errands, if any, and... Now, is that, is that in the habits or in the dailies? In the dailies. In the dailies, okay. Yes, because, yeah. Um, I mean, because I have kind of a more rigorous schedule with when I record things, I have repeating dailies set up. I have that for Hidden Almanac. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, I write four days a week. Although I finished, well, I, I finished a book, too, on Tuesday. You did finish I a book. Like, which kind of throws things out of whack, because a day I finish a book... I, I will do no other work that day. I right. I am I have finished a book, god damn it. And that's something to celebrate. Uh, yeah, or you know, uh or uh, honestly usually mourn. Um Yeah. Uh, many writers uh, if you know any writers internet, uh I've talked about this with a couple, yeah. Yeah. You finish a book and everyone's like congratulations on finishing and other writers are like I'm so sorry because now you have to be a... You were the person who was writing that book, and now you are not that person, so who are you? And, yes. Uh, there's, there's a kind of weird postpartum period on that. And I've, and I've talked to, to other writers, and I'm like... Uh, and I would say, you know, I guess... I mean, most of the time it's women. like It's kind of like a, a form of postpartum depression. They're like, exactly! Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because you've just given birth to this creative thing, so... Well, let's not get too caught up in that metaphor because I'm later going to chop apart my thing I gave birth to at someone else's directive and then sell it to the highest bidder. And apparently they frown on that with actual humans. That's, yeah, not not really... I, uh, I shy no. away from books or my babies because yeah. uh, if you follow that too far, bad shit goes down. Bad shit goes down. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, what else have we got going on? You're still in limbo, too. I am in limbo. Um, mm -hmm. We, I am, I have been booking my life at my mother's order, basically, on as if life is normal, and yep. at some point, probably, I will drop everything and go out to Oregon, but he doesn't really want to see anybody right now, and that's fine. I uh, respect Yeah, I that. don't, I don't blame him on that one. I mean, the... There are people who, when they are sick, and I will extrapolate dying as a form of illness, even though that says a lot about our society, yeah. that is probably not emotionally healthy, um, you know, surround me with friends and family and all of that. And then there are those of us who are like, I will be in the bedroom. If I need anything, I will text you. <laughs> Don't bother me unless I ask. Right. Uh, see also, have you gone to the doctor? What? I'm not dead. Uh, yeah. So, um, I am one of those people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, are you? I'm fine. 
Uh, the problem is I do tend to assume other people are like that too, so my bedside manner consists of walking into the room going, you dead yet? And poking. There's poking involved. Yeah, I'm like, hey, you dead? And Kevin's like, no. And I'm like, I'll come back in an hour. It's really not that reassuring. It's... <laughs> Sorry. It's Yeah, I, I realize that that's, you know, that's how you are and that's... <laughs> I don't know where you got your bedside manner from, but... There was it... never any chance that I was going into a nurturing profession. Uh, no. Not really. But that that does... So, anyway, the point is that mm -hmm. I'm getting at here is... My stepfather is currently in the process of dying. We don't know how long it's going to take, but he is in the, the, the end phase of... Maybe the chemo will help, maybe he won't survive the chemo, nobody knows... Well, were I in that situation, I would want everybody to stay the fuck away from me. Yeah. I would not be like, you know, oh, surround me with my friends and loved ones. I would be like, all of you fuckers, leave me alone. I'll be in the studio or in the bedroom. A friend of mine, uh, who for reasons of anonymity, we shall not name, was describing a, a acquaintance, a relative, or rather, of hers who... As they were dying, all of their friends and family were in the room singing their favorite song for 12 hours. Oh! She slowly expired after they unplugged her. And we made a vow that we would stand armed guard over the door of yes. the other one's deathbed and not allow anyone to pull was, that shit. Was, was this a deathbed request or was this the family thinking they were being nice i don't know because i look i let's not get too far into the weeds on this one it's my personal vision of hell is what it is yeah there also, is also i don't think you could get that many people doing master of puppets really well Oh no, we'd get we'd we'd do it all acapella just completely, and we'd have every each person sort of handling different parts because you'd need somebody to be the the guitars and somebody to be the drums and somebody to be well maybe two people to be the guitars. Okay, actually, uh, my favorite song is not Master of Puppets. That was just the funniest one I could think of off the top of my head. But I, uh, I mean, I could just call up. Can I have Rain Dogs? Can you do Tom Waits vocals? I'm pretty sure I can do Tom Waits vocals. <laughs> Okay. I may have to smoke a pack of camel straights <laughs> and then maybe gargle with some gravel, but okay. I can do Tom Waits vocals. All right. Yeah, just, uh, mm. just, uh, or on second thought, you could just put in rain dogs, hit play, and then keep everyone away from me. And stand at the door with a, a taser and a cattle prod. No, yeah, no one's well, getting in here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um,. My stepfather is not really a once friends and family to surround him singing his favorite song person. Nope. So I am respecting his wishes and sending him money so he can eat his favorite foods. Uh, but yeah, I'm completely in limbo. I booked yeah. plans for uh, March. Um, my publisher is flying me out for a book conference. I have some birding pals who are going to the area who are like, hey... If you're out here anyway, my publisher's like, we don't care what date we send you back. So basically, I have a free bird-watching yeah. trip to Tucson, and I'm like, it this feels is... really strange to be doing this when someone is dying, but... Yeah. I mean, me seeing a groove build on is not going to make him die faster, so I'm just planning it as if life goes on. And isn't, with... isn't he kind of the person who tutored you in bird-watching? Uh, not, well, some of my love of nature comes from him, yes. Yeah, so, really, given the choice between what, in his shoes, which would he choose? Oh, he would so be out birdwatching. There you go. Yeah, there's no world where he'd be like, you know, he'd be like, yeah, I'll be back in a while. Um, yeah. So it's okay. Uh, it feels weird, but it's like... Uh, how much of your life can you put on hold and doing and, and depriving yeah. yourself of things you enjoy does not make anyone else live longer unless like the things you enjoy is cannibalism so okay sorry that metaphor got a that little went away a little, from yeah, me but just, um, I, I still feel it was logical somewhat somewhat logical I'm still I'm a little concerned about the cannibalism well if you enjoyed but... well, obviously you know it made sense so we've got an interview with Kevin Hearn <laughs> That I'm going to play for you in a little bit. No cannibalism. No cannibalism there. Uh, some talk about the new series he started with Delilah Dawson. Ooh, yeah, Kill the Farm Boy. Yes, Kill the Farm Boy. 
and uh, a couple other things. So we're going to go talk to Kevin and well, Kevin and Kevin are going to talk to each other. Haha. And we'll be right back. Hi folks, I am really excited to have one of my favorite people in the whole wide world on the podcast this week, Kevin Hearn, science fiction author, urban fantasy author, all around cool guy to hang out with. So Kevin, can you maybe introduce yourself a little better than I just did and tell people about what it is you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I... (laughs) Write some fantasy, uh, as you said, some urban fantasy. I write the Iron Druid Chronicles, and uh, the ninth book of that is going to wrap things up, and that'll be out in April. Uh, then I also write uh, an epic fantasy series uh, that started in October with A Plague of Giants, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a trilogy called The Seven Kennings. Uh, and then I am also writing now a new uh, series of books with Delilah Dawson. And those are going to be sort of uh, comedic fantasy. They're they're trope smashing kind of things. The first book is called "Kill the Farm Boy." Uh, oh yeah, kind of, uh, taking on the uh, the chosen one uh, kind of storyline and, and and wreaking havoc with it. So that'll be out in July. Ooh. So that's kind of what I do. I've I've uh, got uh, three different series going at the moment, and uh, it'll be down to two in down a to two. few months. Yeah, yeah, and those big series—they take a lot out of you. I've watched Ursula deal with it, and so you know, I know how that goes. Um, with all of that going on, how do you keep yourself organized? Oh, well, I often don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, That—that's uh, actually I spent today actually kind of cleaning up uh, because I finished one project by getting it sent off to Delilah for mm-hmm. edits. And then I, I sent off an outline to my editor and I'm waiting for feedback, you know, yep. on that. So it actually created a day where I didn't need to write and, or edit or anything. It's just a bizarre, you know, uh, day where almost nothing actually had to be done except, you know, for cleaning. So um, I actually spent time cleaning up my office. I could see the top of my desk. Um, it, it's fantastic. I, I, I really <laughs> like it. And I hadn't been, it had gotten so messy in here in my office actually that I was writing in the kitchen because I just always had something to do and not time to clean. I always thought, well, I got to get more words in and, you know, that's more important than seeing the top of my desk. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of a scatter, scattershot organizer. So, but, but you mentioned you sent off an outline. So that means you're a plotter, not a pantser. Well, you need to be just to meet your deadlines. <laughs> not, that, not that I'm doing that. Uh, I'm doing my best with it, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I've gotten a little bit behind because what happened is I kept adding series <laughs> and, uh, well, it's first started off. Like I started getting my, I was always on time with my books and then, uh, well, Hey, why don't you write a star Wars book? Oh, okay. So that got me behind on some of the iron druid stuff. And then, well, all right, now I'm going to write a, an epic fantasy. And you know, that was 600 pages and those are a little bit longer than a little the yeah. urban <laughs> fantasies. Yeah. So that got me a little bit behind, and then now we're going to write a, another thing, you know, the Killed mm-hmm. Farm Boy. So, yeah, I always keep uh, adding projects and getting a little bit behind, but uh, I'm trying to catch up as best I can and mm-hmm. uh, keep things going. So <clears throat> what habits or systems are important to you since you're scattershot? You, there, there has to be some, some habits other than write every day, because I know that is, that is a common trope among writers. Um, you know what what else is is important or what other habits are, are really important to you uh i i often have some sort of music playing but it has to be instrumental rather than something with lyrics but um instrumental metal like progressive stuff um scale the summit is really good another band oh, yeah. called poly polythea mm-hmm. is fantastic um and so 
I like to write to those. And then a lot of times classical music as well uh, works for me. So it just depends. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to be going on. But but I have found through a lot of trial and error that if I try to sit in the same place and write at the same time, it actually doesn't work for me. Oh. Um, I, I actually need something different every day, slightly mm-hmm. different to, to be kind of stimulated by my surroundings. And so I sit in different places on purpose. Um, or, and sometimes I'll, I'll get out of the house and mm-hmm. go right somewhere or, uh, yeah, it just depends. Uh, I always need to be out somewhere, sitting somewhere different than I did the day before. Um, uh, and that is kind of my routine, kind mm-hmm. of, uh, a little bit, it is a routine in the sense that I, I know that I have to do this, mm-hmm. but I, I don't predict ahead of time because I think if you predict it, then you're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of defeating the purpose of, of, of uh, being inspired by something new. Yeah, yeah. and I Ursula was complaining. You know her her coffee shop that she went to write in closed, and she's oh no yeah 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 um they're they're working out other arrangements and it's it's there is a whole big story behind it, but we have um had the barista over because she's also a professional chef to cook like prepare some meals for us because I work long hours and she's she doesn't cook Ursula doesn't cook we just we're just gonna leave it there, um and the moment the owner of the coffee shop comes in and we would start to talk suddenly Ursula's like I need to write and the words were just flowing and so I'm thinking now I'm just gonna have to get a recording of, uh, of the barista's <laughs> voice and just here you go play this is just her chattering um, <laughs> yeah, um, that, yeah. It, it's funny how things like that can, mm-hmm. can work out uh, another thing that like if I get stuck Mm-hmm. You know, you go take a walk or you take a shower, you know, just or the water just kind of fires the neurons in your brain. Yeah, that and, happens uh, in tech, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, th- those often will get me out of a rut. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's not a uh, I, I'm not a very type A person, though, I guess, if that's still the term you would use. My wife is she's super organized um, and I'm often bewildered by how good she is at organizing her life um but i have uh i, I really like those studies i i think you know mm-hmm. where you read the headline uh, where they say that uh, a cluttered desk is the sign of a creative mind and, um <laughs> i i use that uh pseudoscience to justify my messy desk oh there you go there you go <laughs> um so what would you say the biggest help or best advice given to you is oh uh I actually really enjoy Chuck Wendig's writing books. Oh yeah. Which is, well, I think he puts it. I think he just really has a talent for putting into words um, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, techniques that were sort of subconscious. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to question, you know, my own process too much, or I might jinx it. You know. Yep. yep. Uh, but but he when when he explains things or or uh, uh, mm-hmm. and how to do stuff, I'm like. Yeah, that's he's now putting words to things that I was doing, and I kind of like that he's doing that. I because if you have words for something, you you actually have power over that thing in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, uh, which is I, I find a, a truth in in reality, not just in fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I I actually really enjoy uh, his work. That that helps me mm-hmm. um, think about my craft a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, having seeing him put his. Uh, you know, his craft into words, um, which was weird because I, you know, I used to always, I used to teach high school English and I, right. I'm great at teaching how to write an essay, but <laughs> but how to write a novel is, is not a thing that I ever had to teach mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. a certain, was not a thing that was taught to us in teachers, you know, uh, mm-hmm. training, you know? So, um, I, I never really learned the patterns for that and how to make things work. And of course, since I had an English degree, I thought I knew how to write a novel. Oh yeah, no. I read a lot of books, so of course I knew, but I failed spectacularly at writing a novel for a very long time and mm-hmm. didn't get published until I was thirty-nine. So um, it, it took a while to to figure things out. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, now that that raises an interesting question. So you were a high school English teacher which before I fell into tech was also a career path I had considered, but then I discovered that I liked paying rent and eating. Um, North North Carolina is bad for that. Um, 
Yeah, but, well, Arizona's pretty bad too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, in a compare and contrast, how how you keep yourself organized now, which is sort of the scattershot method, how does that compare to when you were a teacher? Well, um, I would I would plan quite a bit um, on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the, the kind of the knowledge, and and then just I wanted to. Uh, I wasn't. It, Planning didn't really bother me what I had to structure. The structure was given to me by the school uh, <laughs> schedule. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and so I had my bells and all that stuff, and I was very structured in that regard. Um, and then uh, all sorts of little deadlines that you had to meet there. And and you had papers to grade and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, it wasn't ever – I suppose that since that structure was imposed upon me mm-hmm. and I just had to deal with it, well, I did. But it is a different thing when, you know, now there is no school day, you know, no regular bells for, hey, you need it right now. Yeah. Um, and you do have to get your your work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you, I've had to uh, figure out that I, if I just am a steady with my production in terms of getting a certain number of words in a day, then I'll be all right. And I'm not going to sweat it too much if I have a bad day because I know I'll have a good day down the road to balance it out. Yeah, yeah, and um, that—that's kind of the way I've been moving forward, trying not to stress about it, because then, of course, that sort of kills your, your, uh, your groove. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, how about rewards? How do you reward yourself for finishing a project or, or making that deadline or, or you know, whatever? Some really good whiskey is usually what I go for. <laughs> um, I try. I started to develop, you know, a taste for it. Uh, some of the the Irish ones. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning very slowly about scotches. Ah. Um, and uh, Mary Robinette Coal is is fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, with that, as well as other a lot of writers actually, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Sigler and so on. They're they're really good with their scotches knowledge, I guess, and they're mm-hmm. happy to share and talk about it. So um, I'm still learning quite a bit about scotches, but um, mm-hmm. I I know that the Irish uh, stuff I kind of prefer quite a bit. Tends and, to run a little um, smoother, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Writer's Tears is not really a joke. It's a good whiskey. Oh, it really is. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> and uh, you, I, I've had trouble getting it uh, for a while, uh, but I, I had a, a very nice reader who gave me a bottle. Ah. And uh, then I was able to find another one later on mm-hmm. uh, in a different state from where I live. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Had to bootleg that stuff. He's found it down. And and yeah, it was. It, it, I like uh, Writer's Tears and uh, mm-hmm. Red Breast is good. That's by Jameson. And then yep. uh, what's the other one that? Uh, there's a there's a Napogue Castle is quite oh, good. That one I haven't had. It's very light. Mm-hmm. They went out of business for a while. They oh. on hiatus, whatever, and mm-hmm. they came back, and now they have uh, three different years. I think it's a. I think it's a 10 or a 12 and a, either a 14 or a 15. Mm-hmm. And I haven't tried them all yet, but uh, they're very good, even though they're very light, uh, light in color. Yeah. Uh, and then um, one that's really, really good is Yellow Spot. I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, yeah. Green, well, green Spot is fantastic mm-hmm. and much more affordable, actually. <laughs> uh, Yellow Spot you'll probably not find for less than 100 bucks. Yeah, well. Um, um, my... So that's what I. Oh, no. Yeah, you go ahead and then I'll inject <laughs> oh no i was just gonna say that's what i do for rewards is yeah. I, I i get a bottle of, of something nice and uh enjoy that yeah uh, after i finish a book usually yeah my my go-to for daily drinking not that i drink every day kind of thing but right. you know my my like relaxing irish whiskey has been the jameson's cask mates oh that stuff is fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. and they get the barrels from the brewery and cork for mm-hmm. the stout there so that when we were in ireland we drank at the brewery and then the next day we were touring jameson's and i'm like oh well i will have to buy some um and the other thing is treat yourself one day to the middleton and i cannot pronounce it the um i want to say it's gear Dalech or something along those lines okay um it's the first whiskey irish whiskey casked in irish oak no kidding. In like okay. a very long time, and they number the bottle. The bottle is numbered with the batch number, the barrel number, and the tree number. The tree number. The tree number because 
I'm finding that there are characteristics between the different trees. And then they then are reforesting and replanting. And so they get, they're like dedicated 10% of the harvest every year from this one group and they're paying to replenish so that it's renewable and all that stuff. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's fantastic sounding. I got, yeah. All right. I have to try that. I'll give you one to try. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also sort of kind of rare and unusual. Mm-hmm. There is a, well, you know, when, when Japan had the Fukushima disaster. Yes. Oh, yeah. That just kind of borked up their water and, mm-hmm. and just kind of made their whiskey production uncertain for many years. Oh, yeah. And into that void has stepped Taiwan. Really? Yes. Uh, Taiwan, there's a distiller there called Kavalan. It's K A V A L A N. Okay. They have won the World Whiskey Award for single cask for the past couple of years. Oh. They and they've got a if you start looking into what they offer, it's a huge range mm-hmm. of of different finishes. That's yeah. what they're doing is they're really finishing them up with all right, we'll put this one in a Malaga cask and this one's in mm-hmm. a sherry cask and so on. Mm-hmm. And the one that won the World Whiskey Award in 2016 was one that was finished in a cask of Amontillado sherry. Oh. And so it had on the bottle, you know, the Amontillado. And I, <laughs> all right, so so I go there and my my uh, Taiwanese publisher gave me a bottle of this Oh, stuff. wow. Yeah. And, and I freaked out because I'm like, the Amontillado, oh, my God, you know how cool this is. And mm-hmm. they, they had no idea who Edgar Allan Poe was, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. So that part was, uh, you know, I explained to them that, that this has a literary, you know, kind mm-hmm. of uh, pun to it, I guess, as well as the just being an amazing whiskey. And um, they were super happy to hear that, that I was so dang pleased about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was it was such a flavorful whiskey. I mm-hmm. I loved it. It's And so I, anything that's kind of sherry finished now, I, I'm going to probably give it a shot just because I really like what it does um, <laughs> to the flavors. It's really good. Yeah. So, so I've completely lost track. We were talking about rewards, right? Because <laughs> yeah, because I can keep, was... I can talk about whiskeys all day, and I know uh, Mary Robinette can, and um, yes. you know uh, I'm a Dorsai regular, which means that whiskey sort of is in our veins or at least our livers pretty constantly, and so that's just something you know that I that I could continue to geek out about. Maybe we'll do that after the interview's done. Um. <laughs> um but now for the hard question. It's what I usually say for the last question. What about when you miss or when you fail? What do you do when you miss or you fail? Oh, well, um, I, I've been, I mean, there's nothing you really can do but try to catch up, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep working. And um, I guess I've, I've been really blessed with uh, an awesome editor who's mm-hmm. pretty understanding. If I think I'm not going to make it, mm-hmm. I, I let them know ahead of time that, hey, I'm going to need some more time. Yep. And uh, is that all right? Uh, pretty please, you know. And I let them know where I'm at, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, I've gotten this far, but I haven't quite finished, and I need a little bit more time. And usually, they've built up enough time in their production schedule mm-hmm. where they can give me a few weeks or a month or whatever I need there to to kind of finish that up. And that's been really cool. So yeah. I, I guess in a way that I. I I haven't felt that I've totally failed yet just because mm-hmm. they've been nice about extending my <laughs> deadlines <laughs> so that they'll, they'll let me turn it in later and say, this is fine. Yeah. So, so that I don't feel too terrible, but I, I do realize that, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm getting behind on some things. Um, working with Delilah on kill the farm boy mm-hmm. was super fast. I didn't realize how fast <laughs> you could get a novel out when you had somebody else writing half of it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that was, a uh, a wild experience because we went from idea mm-hmm. to uh, outline to fully completed novel in five months, which oh, wow. was pretty darn fast when when we you mm-hmm. consider that we kind of skipped two months not even working on it at all. It was really like a three-month process of actual drafting. So mm-hmm. um, I was pretty impressed with that and – I think uh, we wound up following the same pattern for No Country for Old Gnomes. That's the sequel that I just... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. I I guess I didn't uh, tell you that earlier. No, no. That's that's the name of the second book that I just finished with her. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that one 
we also like skipped like two or three months and then just started kind of working at the end. Yeah. And uh, so about three or four months to get that one done as well. So yeah, pretty fun. So is this gonna is this gonna roll together kind of like um, um, Good Omens did, and we're not actually gonna be able to tell who wrote what bit because that was the thing that uh, uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett would never tell is who mm-hmm. wrote what bit, but they always but I think it's it's Gaiman always said that the answers the parts you think I wrote you would be very surprised about. Right, so there are parts yeah. that that I guess Pratchett was channeling his inner Gaiman and vice versa. So I I think uh, well, obviously I can't. I'm not going to be a very good judge, but I can tell you that mm-hmm. my editor, who has, you know, edited all of my Iron Druid books, right? Um, she could not tell. She when she read the manuscript, mm-hmm. she said, "I don't know when it's you, and I don't know when it's Delilah. I have no idea." So perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been really fun especially I, I think it probably works out that way i think you could tell at the beginning mm-hmm. the very first draft stage but by the time we go through it we have both edited each other so much right right okay that it kind of washes mm-hmm. out into the same style i guess i, I mm-hmm. think that's what's happening and um it's so much fun uh it gets obviously it gets better with every draft every time mm-hmm. we go through it, keep adding little things and tweaking stuff here and there and um I'm I'm having a, a great time being a co-author, which I did not realize. You know, you you think you're such uh, an isolated individual. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to want to work with me, and I don't want to work with anybody else. But then, if you just find somebody that you you happen to click with, then uh, it can be really super fun. Yeah, and there's there's yeah. that whole kind of of group of authors that. I'm pretty sure the four of you would work well together. Uh, I guess you're proving it now with Delilah, but there's you, there's Chuck Wendig, there's Delilah, there's uh, Case Alexander, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, and um, I th- that's like the core four, and I'm trying to remember if there's anyone else sort of in that that one circle of just amazing, fun people. Well, I mean, I, I don't well, want to exclude anybody, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a ton of fun people mm-hmm. out there, but um, I think Chuck, for example, would work with almost anybody very well. He's mm-hmm. he's super. Uh, I mean, he's already teamed up with a bunch of folks. Oh yeah, uh, and, you know, working on comics and things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Delilah is the same way. She she's really good at working on. Uh, she's done Adventure Time and uh, she's done Star Wars, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she's great at working with IPs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they they're. Yeah, they're fantastic team players. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and, and I know that Case has done some co-writing as well. Yeah, she did a Mass I think Effect. A, Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah, it was Mass Effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's uh, mm-hmm. I I wasn't I the only other um, pair that I'm really aware of that mm-hmm. works very well together is uh, James S A Corey. Yes. Yeah, Daniel and Ty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people are surprised to find out that they're co-authors and that's not a single person. Yeah, it, I think that that is surprising when I think it pretty much says on the back of the book, too. Like, they don't make a secret out of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it says that James S.A. Corey is the pen name for Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, people miss it and think they're just one person. Well, I mean, that that's the sad part is not everybody reads that last little about the author blurb. They would call Ursula some, on some of her stuff if, if they read the about the author on hers, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to let her put in that she's married to a Disney princess ever in one of those. So, um, <laughs> it, she's out on tour now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is, uh, she's doing school visits this week. So, um, uh, this is actually, so for the people at home, this is being recorded a couple weeks in advance of when it's actually going to air. Um, so this is being recorded, uh, on Ursula's first week of her book tour. Uh, so yeah, she flew out last night. She was doing school visits today. She's doing school visits tomorrow. Uh, I think she has more school visits Thursday before she flies home. And then she's home for a couple days and then she's back out doing school visits, one public appearance in Virginia. And then, um, she's doing a local public appearance in about, uh, I want to say about a week from this coming Saturday. So for those of you at home who are listening, you've already missed it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and now, t- 
tours are something that she I know she does a lot of preparation for. Um, when yeah. you when you have to tour, do you organize differently? Do you put yourself into a regimen, or do you still kind of go a little laissez faire with it? I I keep thinking that uh, I really should get some writing done while I'm on tour, <laughs> and and I and I try right. I plan. Yeah. I, I'm very optimistic. Mm-hmm. I take my laptop and I and I say I'm going to try to get this many words done while I'm out there. Yeah. You know, on on a plane flight or whatever. Um, but it often doesn't work out. Um, but it, that doesn't mean the time is wasted. What I find is that the just traveling itself uh, and you know getting out of your little world, going out and seeing the larger one and uh, being exposed to all these different voices and uh, the, the people in the airport and how different they are, all of that is good stuff for, for later. It just kind of sits in there and percolates and... So I don't think that the time is wasted because I'm not typing something. Right. Um, but you also are, are honestly just so tired out by the stress and the the dreariness of travel mm-hmm. and uh, the way airports are sort of designed to suck out your soul. God, um, so, yeah, you just wind up kind of being a lump sometimes mm-hmm. and not being able – uh, what I can do in airports, though, is read, which is also valuable. So I wind up figuring that on a tour, mm-hmm. I'm going to be reading more than actual writing at this point. Yep. And I and I now plan to take books with me. I'm not much of an e-reader. I'm a, a paper analog yeah. fella, I guess. <laughs> and so um, I, I always take a couple, and then I wind up buying a, a couple more mm-hmm. while I'm on tour. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. So do you do the thing where when Ursula's writing fantasy or she's writing one of her kids' books, she can't read fantasy or kids' books? Yeah. She, she has to read nonfiction, and then when she's done, maybe she'll read something much more fiction-y. I'm the big fantasy sci-fi reader now because I'm not involved in the making of it. Um, but she goes with the romance and the historicals and the things like that when she's, um, when she's not writing. But if she's writing fiction, she has a problem reading fiction yes i i'm, I'm somewhat similar mm-hmm. um i i can uh, what i've been doing is reading a lot of mysteries oh okay um, mm-hmm. and so I, i'll read mysteries which i'm not writing at all and you know <laughs> that that's uh that keeps me um going with with a lot of uh interesting dialogue i guess and and basic conflicts and stuff like mm-hmm. that but it, it doesn't really uh kind of jam me up with a bunch of some you know somebody else's fantasy right, right. so um yeah i avoid fantasy and and uh, i will sometimes read sci-fi while i'm writing fantasy mm-hmm. um but mostly i'm reading mysteries or um sometimes some histories and every so often throw me a romance um yeah. i think that, that um the characters are so dang well done. Oh yeah, um, that I've learned a lot um, mm-hmm. of craft from romance writers. They're fantastic at what they do at, at building characters and exploring inner lives. So yeah, um, I, I, I dig it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, Victoria Dahl is is one that uh, I think is really good at it. So I'm I'm. A little ashamed to admit, but not that ashamed to admit. I'm a Stephanie Plum fan from uh, Janet Ivanovich. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. And then there's that sort of it's 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 almost sort of like an urban fantasy romance with a lot of action. Um, the uh, White Trash Zombie novels, a little more I fantasy, but yeah, they're so much fun. Yeah, they really are. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Diana is Diana's great, and yeah. um, I I love the art with those. Uh, oh, Dan yeah. Dos Santos doing the cover art too. Mm-hmm. But um, I really uh, look love the uh, look at uh, you know Angel's. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, she's got a lot of problems, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. She's got a she has a lot of issues that she's dealing with, and mm-hmm. um, I love that she has this arc of redemption that, that you know just trying to become better. Yep. Um, and I admire that in Chuck Wendig's Miriam Black novels too. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's pretty fun. There's there's so many great series out there. there really so are. yeah, what I can't I can't read those though while I'm, you know, yeah, working on my own. Um, I, I was able to to read them a little bit while I'm working. Uh, like I can read urban fantasy now, mm-hmm. 
that I'm working on epics. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. So I've started to buy some and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So how many dogs, uh, how many dogs? Yeah. How many books in the Oberon series? <laughs> oh, yeah, like the meaty mysteries? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's only there's just two. There's just the two. Um, okay. Yeah, just the two. I, I I mean, I suppose I could write more later. You know, Subterranean Press has been nice and said, yeah, if you want to write another one, we'll take another mm-hmm. one. So, um, but I I have to kind of wait to be, I guess, inspired uh, by those. Uh, right. I really wanted to write the purloined poodle just to see if I could write a mystery. <laughs> Since I was reading so many mysteries, mm-hmm. I was like, can I even do this? So um, that was my attempt at. They're basically what you would call a cozy mystery, I think. Yeah. Um, so they're not really the hard-boiled type uh, because Oberon's not hard-boiled <laughs> uh, character. So, uh, yeah, they're not, you know, going to be your forensic, uh, you know, specialty kind of things either. So pol- or p- police procedurals. So I had to kind of go with the cozy because of the character, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was fun uh, for both of those. I had I had a good time, and scouting out those locations in Portland uh, was fantastic. It's a great town. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of fun, and I'm a big fan of Seattle too because I've spent a lot of time there. So um, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's all the questions and a couple extras thrown in. Um, do you have any any? parting words or advice for the people listening and then feel free to pimp your own stuff because my god you have a lot of stuff to pimp oh all right uh in terms of advice um i i'm pretty easy going on a lot of things uh i i don't like to tell people how to do it since i did it wrong for so long um <laughs> <laughs> uh, i but but i suppose uh if anything uh perhaps take heart in the in the fact that i tried for 20 years before i actually got published and then when i finally did it worked out okay um and so i yeah i taught for 17 years and mm-hmm. uh you know i was doing i started to write in college basically and um so i i went through college and had my uh my day job i actually had three jobs at one point because you know what diapers are expensive oh i uh, preach and, into the choir <laughs> preach into the choir yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so uh it, there there was a time there when I was working mm-hmm. all the time plus trying to get you know novels done and uh, it eventually all worked out uh, to the point where I, I learned enough to you know mm-hmm. complete a book and get it sent off and mm-hmm. have an agent take some interest in it yeah. so the Iron Druid uh, Chronicles mm-hmm. are now nine books plus uh, two novellas uh, that are part of the Iron Druid part. Then you mm-hmm. also have two novellas that are from Oberon's point of view, the meaty mysteries we were just talking about. Yep. And uh, then I have a book of short stories as well. Mm-hmm. So that's all uh, with uh, sort of a, a, a Celtic urban fantasy. Then we have, um, I have a Star Wars book, Heir to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, Plague of Giants out now is my epic fantasy. And then I also have uh, the Kill the Farm Boy coming out in July with Delilah S. Dawson. Oh. So yeah, that's uh, what I've got on deck. Nice. Uh, and uh, you could go see me at kevinhearn.com if you'd like. Absolutely, and I will be linking a whole bunch of that stuff uh, in the podcast notes. So uh, cool, thanks. Yeah, no, thank you for taking the time out to do this. It's been awesome. And um, for the the folks at home, I'll be right back. And we're back. He got me a fidget cube. I, I did. I got her a fidget cube. And I hope you enjoyed that talk with Kevin Hearn. I love having a chance to talk to him. I don't get to do it very often because we don't show up at the same events all that much. It's mostly on Twitter and various slacks and things like that. But it's always cool. And I'm always excited to hear about the new stuff he's got going on because there's that new Iron Druid and that there's that new uh, Kill the Farm Boy series. And a whole bunch of other stuff. 
Speaking of other stuff, as longtime listeners know, we hand out codes for open badges. Open badges are a technology by Mozilla that allows you to prove that you have earned or done something, often used in, you know, educational situations, and I think they're just fun. So we issue them. Uh, you can enter a code from an episode into a, uh, there's a little form on the webpage at productivityalchemy.com. And this week's code is FarmBoy. This is a non-standard fidget cube, and it sticks in one place, and I think I need a hammer and some WD-40. Uh, okay. The fidget cube in question is a gift that was 3D printed by a fan for one of our first appearances in San Jose. I have no idea where we were at the time. Yes. Um, so it's a cube, but it's basically made of gears, and as you twist it, it, it turns interesting shapes. I also have a, and this is from some of the earlier 3D printing days, so it's it's still got that 3D printed texture on it. Yes, it's it's an excellent mm -hmm. fidget cube, but you can't quite get handles on it, so parts of it are very hard, which makes it a very effective fidget cube because I'm having to work at it. Yes, I also have a 3D printed companion cube that I should, I would probably need to spend some time maybe gently smoothing out and then painting because it's just awesome. <laughs> and these are the sorts of things that we like to have kind of around. So I never got into the fidget spinners. No, the fidget the fidget spinners just they went straight to I don't know, it, it those went from fad to annoying really quick. Like we're at a convention last year, never seen them before. Suddenly they're being handed out. Then like within a week, I'm seeing them for sale at gas stations. It was a little surreal. That was an oddity. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, you can find out about this program and a whole lot more at productivityalchemy.com or at least this episode and all the other back episodes. You can support us. We have a uh, coffee, ko-fi dot something account uh it's under k-s-o-n-n-e-y k-sunny where you can buy me a cup of coffee we have a patreon which mm. we need to rebrand before we die of old age yes patreon it is ursula v we are going to rebrand it to include all the the red wombat studio umbrella that which kevin has um agreed to be in after yes. our sort of handshake posting up <laughs> posting up yes but that encompasses not only this program, Productivity Alchemy, but our short fiction podcast, The Hidden Almanac, and our little more sporadic right now, Eat Cheap podcast, because we recorded on Sunday this week, and let me be honest, I was not I was not a hundred percent on Monday. But fortunately our buddy Liz, who has been on the show in the past, oh, yeah. is uh going to be moving down to this neck of the woods before too long and she has offered to stand in as a stunt stomach for us on some episodes so uh, excellent yes excellent uh we we may take her up on that despite the fact that we like liz we are willing to sacrifice her to the maw of kuec's foods and the large quantities of liquor that are sometimes involved yes i just fixed a bug out of my drink i mean there was one that was definitely a bug, and then there was something else that might have been a bug. But, you know, it's alcohol. It's sterile now. So that's it for this week. I'm going to go turn this into something that you guys can download and listen to. I'm going to go draw hamsters. You're going to go, go draw hamsters. And I want to remind everybody to stay productive. And don't become cannibals. Damn it. <laughs>